Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our third Resistance episode, where we're talking about episode three of Resistance. <laughs> I did this last time, too, where I was like, our second episode of Resistance, where we talk about episode number two. <laughs> Um, So this episode is entitled Fuel for the Fire and aired on October 21st. And the director was Sergio Ning. Ning? Did I say that right? Ing. Ing. And the writer was Eugene Sun. And they had a special voice actor this time, which was Elijah Wood, who played Jace Rucklin. I did not recognize his voice at all. Me neither. I'm not a big Lord of the Rings person either, so... I like, I'm not as familiar with Elijah Wood in general, honestly. Still, it just it didn't sound like him. It was an American accent. Wait, yeah. maybe he's – hold on. <laughs> now I'm, like, doubting everything. Is he, is he British? British, right? Oh, no, he's American. <laughs> was he British in The Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, was he always British? I'm Now I'm confused. All right, forget it. I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan either. Yeah, you should have <laughs> so, no. led with that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't recognize his voice is honestly where it was. Yeah, neither did I. Um, but I really liked this episode. Um, I thought it was really fun. I thought it was fun too. This hasn't been my favorite episode out of the bunch so far. I still think the premiere is like the strongest episode out of the ones we've had so far. Um, I really enjoyed the aesthetic of the Triple Dark. Also, the name Triple Dark is just like the best episode name I've ever heard. Um, So this is definitely like the weakest out of the ones we've seen so far, but I still had a good time with it. Yeah, agreed. I I actually totally agree with that. I think that this one kind of had lower stakes. Mm, Yeah, yeah, exactly. It it felt like that. Um, But anyway, let's go into all of our parts. So in part one, we're going to talk about our highs and lows. And in part two, we're going to be talking about the story. And in part three, we're going to talk about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? All right. Welcome to part one where we're going to be talking about our highs and lows of the episode. So Charlotte, what was your first high? Um, okay. I think that I am like fully invested and interested in Yeager's past now. And I really liked how they established the sense of like Kaz feeling empathy and sympathy for Yeager's past that he doesn't really know that much about. Mm-hmm. Um. I am really intrigued by Yeager. I think that, like, a lot of people would agree that Yeager is maybe the most interesting character because of his connections to the past in Resistance right now. Yeah, I think after we were kind of talking about Yeager in the last episode and his relationship to the Resistance, and then kind of having what we – the little glimpses we get in this episode have really – you're right. I'm, I'm a lot more interested in what's going on with him, kind of what he's seen, what he's heard, what is going to be the thing that um, gets him back in the fight. Yeah, totally. So my first high was, again, probably like my laugh out loud moment was at the beginning of the episode when Kaz is in Aunt Z's cantina and he's like, have you ever had any regrets, Aunt Z? And she's like, yes, saying hello to you. <laughs> I love Ansi so much. That is so funny. Like for for the things that I um for like the moments that I don't love in this show or you know the times that it feels slow to me or whatever like that, man, it can make me laugh out loud. 
Yeah, um, it's so sh- funny how that is. This show always made like every episode. I laugh out loud literally at least once or twice, usually more. Yeah, me too. It's it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny, and I really enjoy that. There's just like a couple comments. This is going to be a, my bonus um, high of the episode, but I really like how Kaz is obsessed with Anzies. Like he walks in, and he's like, "Hey guys, anyone feel down for Anzies? Like I could use some Anzies right now." Like I feel like on a, a more like character level, I feel like he feels a little comfortable in that place. Mm-hmm. Um, or he could like spend money, eat a meal, and talk to somebody. Yeah, someone who and, like, has to which like to him. kind of relatable again. <laughs> Cass is so <laughs> relatable, but like I, um, I think it's really cool that Auntie also has a waffle tattoo. Did you know this? No, she has a tattoo of waffles, like space waffles. It's like so waffles? awesome. Waffles, waffles, waffles. Yeah, it's so cool. So I'm like really excited. I like. The Aunt Z like diner location as a location in Resistance, and I actually can't wait to see more of it. And like as we see it become a place of meeting, mm-hmm. um, I like the character too. Again, that's the great thing about the Colossus is you know it's kind of like a big cruise ship, and so we we get to see more of the same places and see them in greater detail, which I think is is so special about Resistance. Totally. Yeah. So, what was your second high? So the linkage to Solo was really exciting for me. I I love how Solo introduced the hyperfuel concept and how everyone wants something, wants it. Um, and I liked how in this episode, we saw the detrimental value of like unrefined hyperfuel, which mm-hmm. is what, you know, we saw Lando inject into the Falcon's hyperdrive. Oh, not Lando. Um, oh. Beckett. Beckett. Yes. Thank you so much. Beckett. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Beckett inject into the Falcon's hyperdrive to make them get out of Maelstrom. But I was, you know, and they talk about how it's, you know, you can't have unrefined hyperfuel and everything. So you see that in the movie and then you get to see it again and you can see it be potentially deadly in this episode, which was actually fun to bring it around because I think that we all know from Solo how valuable hyperfuel can be and it was fun to see it come into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even in The Last Jedi, you see how valuable it is because they don't have enough of it yeah. to outrun the First Order. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I like, too, how they were like, yeah, you only need a couple drops. And then, like, you segue to Rucklin, who's just, like, pouring the whole thing into his gas tank. <laughs> <laughs> Clever, Rucklin. <laughs> Real smart. Um, but my next high was, Kat, like, when Kaz rescues Rucklin, I really love that whole sequence. I loved how it looked. I liked being out on the water where there was, like, really nothing else around. And I don't know. It just, like, you felt the energy of what was happening in that moment. And then, of course, where they're, like, flying up in the air and Kaz is like, all right, parachute. And Rucklin's like, all right, don't have it. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> and I just think it's really funny. And I think it was funny too, kind of talking – remember last time we were talking about like how much BB-8 weighed? Mm-hmm. Well, you see like BB-8 like, you know, catch them with the cable at the end um, before they fall into the water. And I'm like, there's no way BB-8 could hold them up. He's like a rolling ball. Like how does he stop himself from rolling He's off so stable. <laughs> I was like, you know what he's doing? He's like making himself heavier. <laughs> Yes. You know what he's like? You know in Super Mario when <gasps> <Yes>. <laughs> when like Mario becomes like this like weight? Yeah. 
That's what he – oh, my God. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. I was thinking – did you ever read um, 100 Years of Solitude? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I can't remember all of their names, but the, like, main character, he can, like, make himself heavier. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. He just, like, sits there and, like, makes himself heavier <laughs> to, like, sit under a tree or something. Um, great book. But that's what I thought of. But I like your Mario <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yours is like really intelligent. I love 100 Years of Solitude, but <laughs> was not referencing that here. Me, here I go, referencing Mario. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, it's like Mario. And I'm like, well, one of the greatest literary geniuses of our time. <laughs> yes. Also wrote about things making themselves heavier. And now we get to see it in Star Wars as well. But I was like, yeah, there is no way that BBA, like, what is he doing? He's like a literal ball. And somehow he's not rolling off the side with these two humans that are much heavier than him. <laughs> It's space. It's space. It's space. space. But yeah, it made me think of our conversation last week, which was a fun conversation. Totally. Um, So my low was how I just continually am frustrated that no one is throwing Kaz a manual to learn how to be a mechanic and everyone's just like continuously frustrated at him for Mm -hmm. not knowing how to be a mechanic. And he's trying. He really is. Kind of. But like he still doesn't have... Like, in the beginning of the episode, when, like, the thing, like, blows up, he's like, get ready to be impressed, and it just fails. And it's like, okay, (laughs) I need you to read a manual. (laughs) I need someone to, like, train him. Yeah. He needs to be trained. He needs, like, a mentor. He needs something. Yeah. and it's Literally anything. (laughs) Literally anything. He needs some YouTube videos, a podcast, an audiobook, something. So I'm just kind of getting a little frustrated with that being like the gag of he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. And I kind of want him to either take control of that or someone to help him or like a combination of the both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say my low is uh, I still kind of – I'm not really sure what we're doing yet in this series. I kind of feel like we're treading water these past like – four episodes now that we've had um, about, you know, like what exactly is Kaz doing as a spy? He he still has like no directive and we still don't really have any like hints or like anything super suspicious going on except for, you know, in the last episode with the, with the first order at the very end. But that was kind of it and we didn't really build upon that at all in this episode. And yep. it's something that Kaz has interacted with himself. That's information that we as the audience knows, but Kaz knows nothing at this point. And um, – I'm finding that a little bit frustrating, I think, because at this point we're now, what, two hours into the show and we're still not really introduced to the rest of the um, the aces. I think it's going to come in the next episode, which is called The High Tower. I mean, that would make of, sense to like finally get yeah. to the tower. But yeah, I just – I think it's interesting. And, and I think it's interesting too how like – um, Niku hasn't been really in the last two episodes very much and neither has Tam like neither one of them have been like a party to what Kaz has been doing Kaz mm-hmm. has kind of been going off on his own with like BB-8 which is fine but I don't know it's like we introduce these characters we spent a lot of time with Niku in the premiere um, we've only like heard bits and pieces from Tam in the past few episodes and the same has been true for Niku um, so I don't know. Like I said, I, I kind of feel like we're treading water right now and, and I'm ready to – I'm impatient to see that big season arc. <laughs> yeah. Which I know will become more clear once we're at the end of the season, but I still feel like we're not completely off the ground yet with what the the quote-unquote thing is that this season is going to be about. I totally get that and I kind of see that frustration. I – it's not like weighing me down 
and I feel like I'm a little patient for that, but I kind of understand watching it and being like, what is this all for? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the purpose? And I think that, like, maybe that will reveal itself soon and we just have to be a little bit more patient. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I think I was – I don't know. I guess I felt like this episode probably should have started the ball rolling on that because, you know, premiere episode, we're hyper-focused on Kaz. We're getting him, like, in in position. So, like, obviously nothing's going to be happening there. And then it's like, okay, well, we kind of get that little taste in Triple Dark. But, again, it's not anything that Kaz is a party to. And then in this episode, it was like we didn't really have any of that like resistance spy thing coming up, um, which I think is a little frustrating. And I know that resistance is going to have that like, you know, 22 minutes, here's the like little adventure that they go on and it's pretty much wrapped up at the end of the episode. But again, it's like what things are being seeded. Like I can see things seeded in Triple Dark, things seeded in the premiere episode that will come into play later. But this episode in particular, I was like, I don't. I guess like the hyperfuel can come back into play, of course, and like Rucklin, maybe Rucklin is involved in something else later down the line, but I don't know. I think that's why this episode was the weaker of the three, but again, like Resistance doesn't fail to make me laugh out loud, and I always like when I can have a good time with Star Wars, but yeah, I'm hoping that we get more with our other characters and that Niku or that um, Kaz kind of gets his head on a little straighter, and I don't know. I'm kind of confident yeah. that there's more to meet than meets the eye to especially Yeager. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think this episode kind of introduced if if you were like wondering like what's up, I think that this episode kind of introduced that there's like definitely a past for Yeager that like we should be interested in. Yeah. Um and I think that maybe that is the main takeaway from this episode, but we well, let's get okay. into that in our story section. Yeah. <laughs> So welcome to part two, our story section. So we always lead with what's the state of the resistance? So what's the state of the resistance? <laughs> I think it's the exact same as last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Again, like we didn't get anything from the resistance um, yeah. except knowing that Jaeger was a part of the rebellion at the Battle of Jakku, mm-hmm. which I was like, Sienna, Thane, where are you? I know, right? Are when I heard alive? that, I was like, the Battle of Jakku, mention it more. It's great. Where's, where's my sequel? <laughs> I know. Lost Stars Part 2, where be you? (laughs) Exactly. So I know that we had kind of, in this past weekend, we had returned to the Last Jedi novelization a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Like personally, Caitlin and I had, we were kind of talking about it. And we kind of found some interesting things about um, the resistance and like kind of a little bit of a Snoke's involvement there. Do you want to read some of that? Yeah, absolutely. Hold on just a second. Okay, so we usually ask, like, what the status of the Resistance is, but like Charlotte said, we were kind of looking more into the Last Jedi novelization, so I think it's probably good also to talk about what the state of the First Order is. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty when it comes to Star Wars and, and certainly will be in 2020. <laughs> Isn't that the best? <laughs> That was good. Right? <laughs> yeah. Bookmark that for a tweet in 2020. <laughs> um, but anyway, so kind of rereading a little bit from the Last Jedi novelization about Snoke kind of setting up the First Order is so interesting. And I think will only continue to be more interesting as we dive further into Resistance. So this is from Chapter 25, page 217. And this is Snoke kind of, I guess, like reliving the good old days to himself. <laughs> 
The galactic history would recall it differently. Snoke would see to that. The evolution of the First Order had been more improvisation than master plan. That was another element visions tended to miss. Palpatine had engineered the contingency to simultaneously destroy his empire and ensure its rebirth, ruthlessly winnowing its ranks and rebuilding them with who and what survived. The rebuilding was to take place in the unknown regions, secretly explored by Imperial scouts and seated with shipyards, laboratories, and storehouses, an enormously expensive effort that had taken decades and had been kept hidden from all but the elect. But the Imperial refugees' military preparations had been insufficient bulwarks against the terrors of the unknown regions. Grasping in the dark among strange stars, they had come perilously close to destruction, and it had not been military might that had saved them. It had been knowledge, Snoke's knowledge, which ironically led back to Palpatine and his secrets. Palpatine's true identity as Darth Sidious, heir to the Sith, had been an even greater secret than the contingency, and the Empire's explorations into the unknown regions had served both aspects of its ruler. Fresidius knew that the galaxy's knowledge of the Force had come from those long-abandoned, half-legendary star systems, and that great truths awaited rediscovery among them. Truths that Snoke had learned and made to serve his own ends. Whoa, I'm just like rereading this bit. <laughs> this last bit about... Fresidius knew that the galaxy's knowledge of the Force had come from those long-abandoned, half-legendary star systems. And that, like, Snoke has been to those places. It's crazy. Like, is one of those Octo – sorry, this is, like, not about Resistance at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, is one of those Octo – no, it can't be. It must be one that that Snoke doesn't know about or else Snoke would know to go look for for Luke there. Exactly. So what what are – but Snoke – like, this, this sets up how, like, Snoke has been to all of these places out in the unknown regions and that – you know, I'll, I wonder, like, these are things that probably weren't even in the archives either, the Jedi archives that the Empire has, because it's like Palpatine, he used what Palpatine knew and then what he knew as well, which was more than what Palpatine had. Right. So things that it's weren't crazy. in the Jedi archives mm-hmm. about the Force. The ultimate villain. That's bananas. Yeah, it's crazy. The thing that I get from that section is how I'm just, like, completely fascinated by the fact that Palpatine had, like, a contingency plan set up and how... Um, obviously, like, when Return of the Jedi happens, and we've seen this in books and everything, but there are definitely, like, loyalists to the Imperials that exist throughout, um, the galaxy, even as the New Republic begins. And just like any other political system, you're you're always going to have the dissenting opinion. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because clearly, like, that dissenting opinion was supported by a regime. And it, it... had existed even after Return of the Jedi, and now it is manifested in the First Order, what we see in Resistance and in The Force Awakens. Yeah, it's like Palpatine had this whole contingency, which contingency, they talk about it with a capital C, so like it's a, it's like an actual plan. (laughs) (laughs) So Palpatine had this whole contingency, contingent on the fact that he would still be a part of it, but he wasn't, and then Snoke took it and was like, I can do it better. (laughs) <laughs> like, I feel like that's Snoke. Snoke was like, I got this. And, and yeah. he has, like, all this information. Long abandoned and half legendary star systems. Okay. Crazy. That – wow. I hope that's Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Long abandoned and half legendary star systems. That sounds like a gr- – like, imagine if instead of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you had long abandoned, half legendary star systems. And, like, that was, like, the whole premise for the new trilogy. So cool. That would be bananas. Oh, wow. I'd love that. Me too. 
Are we talking about resistance? Yeah. Well, the first order in general. I think that like <laughs> just to kind of spotlight, it's just kind of crazy how well fit the first order is. Um, they have all this stuff and it's clear that the stuff is left over from the empire because it was put into place by Palpatine. Yeah. But it's also things that Snoke has put there himself. Exactly. So it's like he took all of the best parts of the Empire and then almost in like kind of like a Thrawn way, you know, taking from these other, you know, long abandoned planets and the things that they had to teach him. And he's just like in the unknown regions, just like collecting knowledge um, until the time is ripe. And then he basically just like takes the contingency and is like, this is what we're doing. And he's kind of been biding his time until now. It's very calculating. It reminds me of Mm -hmm. Thrawn. Yes, definitely. Great villain. (laughs) Anyway, okay, so that's the state of the First Order. (laughs) And you already mentioned this um, in our highs and lows, but the Carillion hyperfuel, which is unrefined, which I think is really interesting how Jaeger just has like a little, like a little tiny gas tank of it in his bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, what's up with that? Right? And (laughs) they talk too about how he's like keeping it safe. Mm. there's like a lot of there's a lot of stuff there there's something there well like you're supposed to think that there's something there right like the whole the idea of what um elijah wood's character jace rucklin was saying was like you know yeager raced one time and was like amazing and he has not not just the fireball but like another racer be hidden behind the door but you never actually see that racer so it's like Mm. this you know schrodinger's cat is like does the racer exist like what is it yeah and is it a like is that just like a myth was because like rockland totally could have been lying about that just to get into that hyperfuel just to get the hyperfuel but like now at this point like we can kind of think about whether or not he was being legitimate about that and then it just kind of brings about like a lot of other thoughts about eager in general and so then we see him with uh the rebellion and his family so it's like what happened there what happened to make him so like scorned by it all and hide it all but like clearly people know about him so that's that'll be interesting yeah like where did he get the hyperfuel like who gave it to him was it left over from his last race exactly how he won would jaeger use hyperfuel maybe probably not um i don't think so but like maybe he did Maybe he did. Maybe he cheated, and that's why he's ashamed. Exactly. But maybe not. I don't think so. Um, yeah, the hyperfuel is really interesting, and I think it's funny, too, how they call it hot sauce. I love it. <laughs> get, that sounds like something that, like, Han would say. Exactly. It feels so Han. It feels very Han. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Um, but I, there's so much there. I love him now. I want to know everything. Mm-hmm. I really like um, Bucket. <laughs> Yeah. He's got some good bucket action. And I, I just think it's hilarious how he wears this helmet. Like, he doesn't really need to. <laughs> it's just kind of all, all these different pieces put together. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So what is the theme of this episode? I think that, like, in the first episode, the theme was, like, winning isn't always the objective. And, like, it's a marathon, not a race. Um, in the second episode, I think the theme was, like, trust your instincts. In the third episode, I think I would say the theme would be, like, go with your heart and, like, kind of know right from wrong based off of, like, your own, you know, uh, conscious. Yeah, like, trusting your instincts. Exactly. Exactly. Did you like the theme 
that I put for episode four in our show notes. Yeah, I see that. Don't trust people with blue eyes. You know what? I think that's a really good <laughs> good theme to like drill home. <laughs> right? It was like as soon as Brecklin comes onto the screen, you're like, you with your blonde hair and two bright blue eyes. Oh, he's trouble. You got something like you knew fishy. What was funny was that Niku was like – he had that speech that was like, these young people, they're just having so much fun and pulling pranks. They're awful. <laughs> and Kaz is like, yeah, that sounds really bad. <laughs> I loved that so much. But like at the end of the day, Niku was right because Niku kn- knows all. Takes one to know one. <laughs> Takes a bad guy to know a bad guy. <laughs> oh, I love him so much. But I think that – I think it's it's just at this point, like what we're supposed to get from this episode is that like – we should trust Kaz and his own instincts because he's a good guy. Like, okay, yeah, but I mean, you can only take that so far though, because Kaz totally trusted Reckland. Yeah, like Kaz, for sure. Kaz, Kaz needs to do what Jaeger said. He needs to get his head out of the clouds, focus, like put his keep his head down, focus on you know being on the Colossus and keeping his cover, and the rest will start to come. Um, totally. But someone does need to give the kid a manual, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he needs some help. He really does. He really, he really does. Like, I feel like Niku and Tam just like watch him and are like, "Are you doing it right?" No. <laughs> and it's like, like, sure. Niku's like, "I'll help," but like, I'll I'll just hand you the wrenches instead of like teaching you about the wrenches, right? Like, teach a man to fish. Teach a man to to yeah do a mechanical yeah. thing. <laughs> exactly. I can't even think of a good example. Like, <laughs> teach a man to, to do a mechanical yeah. thing. <laughs> Screwing apart. Yeah, exactly. Okay, is there anything else you wanted to say about this story? No, I think we should move on to character. Let's do it. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, part three, where we're going to be talking about character. And I think, as we've kind of mentioned throughout the show so far, the most interesting developments definitely were with Jaeger, um, and particularly in his bedroom. <laughs> Which, again, like... <laughs> is it his bath- bedroom, or is it, like, well, study? It's, like, yeah, it's, like, his is like his living room. Yeah. Um, again, one of the things I'm loving about the Colossus is just getting to see more of these places. And um, I love the use of the pictures. I think pictures in Star Wars are always, like... A, like they're very interesting, like this use of imagery and like remembrance because it's not something we like think of very often um, with Star Wars unless you're me and you think about like, oh, what other times have we seen pictures? Well, we've got like the whole Jedi archives. That was important. You've got Thrawn who had like a vast collection of artwork. But then like personal pictures and like personal mementos like that. We see it with Ezra. He's got that picture of his family. And then also Padme has pictures of her family I was too. about to say. Yeah. And yeah. Like that's, the, that's, that's the one that always gets – to me is that scene in Attack of the Clones that's deleted mm-hmm. um, that shows Padme Classic. in the <laughs> me talking about Padme deleted scenes. What else is new? Oh, we got to add that to your um, to Sky Talkers bingo. <laughs> yeah. I um, but it's it's that you know really raw understanding of like this is who they were in the past and um, thinking about those times and then that moment in Attack of the Clones. Um, Padme talks about when she was in the relief program and she was with the refugees and how the planet was destroyed. And um, I think it was the planet was destroyed or like the, the the aliens that she was helping, like couldn't adapt to the new planet that oh, they had relocated yeah. on and they all died. It's really sad. 
it was it's like it's extremely sad but that's what you know images kind of conjure up these like sad emotional feelings but um it kind of paints a photo of it paints a picture of like the hard work that you can continue to try and try maybe I don't know I don't know where I'm going with that but I you, you kind of sum it up a little bit more than me yeah, well, I think it's just like that melancholy that's always present in like pictures like that, especially with characters like Padme or Ruth Yeager, who obviously have gone through a lot of trauma. Um, exactly. One of the things that I thought was particularly um, – not heartbreaking is not the right word because we don't know what happened yet, but like sentimental is the fact that the picture of his family isn't what's on display. You have to like scroll or like toggle to get to the picture of his family. Like it's hidden. Because mm-hmm. um, it's something that, like, he can't look at all the time. I wonder if his family is dead or if they're just kind of separated. I don't know. Maybe something happened with the rebellion and he – because, I mean, we talked about last time how we, we thought they were pretty much dead. But, like, what if something happened where he, like, doesn't feel like he deserves to go back with them? Yeah. Like, if he betray- – ooh. I think that there's something there about, like, a – Disney potentially wanting to show like a separated family um, that could, you know, come into play here. I don't I just don't want to think about them as dead yet. (laughs) I don't I don't know if like that's necessarily like the bridge we have to cross, but I think it's, you know, probably the likely one. But it would be interesting if they were separated and he feels unworthy and like feels like he can't return to them. Maybe by the end of the series, he could. Yeah, like, again, remember how we talked about, like, how, like, Kaz, like, kind of stumbles across his, like, dad or something on a mission? Yeah. Like, what if he stumbles across, like, uh, Jaeger's kid? Yeah, like, that could totally happen. Because we don't that, – that picture looks like it was taken a while ago. Like, Jaeger looks very different in that picture. So I think it's reasonable to assume that, like, a good amount of time has passed. Totally. Also, I think like – was was it a daughter in the photo? I think it was a daughter, yeah. Also, can I just say they, like, really loved his wife's outfit? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, really like the, like, blue theme that they had going on. Like, they were all in blue, I think. It's, like, you know, like, when you had family pictures as a kid, like, you all wore, like, the white shirt with jeans. <laughs> yes. It was like that. <laughs> I um I totally agree. I think that maybe – I mentioned I asked if it was a daughter because clearly Tam works for Yeager and has, like – she is – one of the most esteemed mechanics. I think that I read that in the databank. Um, and I wonder if like, there's going to be some sort of like heartbreaking um, relationship between Yeager and Tam in a way that like Yeager kind of takes to Tam because she, he reminds- you know, she, she's, re- she reminds him of her, his own daughter. Or something I wonder like that. if like, the, if they like took it this like super heartbreaking route or like, Jaeger was with the rebellion and he should have been with his wife and daughter and like something happened to the daughter but not the oh wife. Oh my gosh. You know and it's like now they can't like it's just it's too like painful separated. for them to be together. Oh man. Do you think they'd go go that far I don't in the know. show? I mean like Star Wars is tragedy. <laughs> it really does go that far even like, you despite know, like, just like in general it kind of goes that far like so maybe they would. But I, I definitely think there's, like, room for heartbreak <laughs> yeah, there's just a, by showing these photos. There are a lot of possibilities for heartbreak. Like, it's just, like, what route are we going to go? Maybe all of them. Maybe all of them. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> I think it's cool that, like, I think people on Reddit and on Twitter have pointed this out, that the photo, I think, was taken on Batu, which is the location for um, the Star Wars land in Disneyland and Disney World. And 
kind of that showed up in that Thrawn novel oh, yeah. um, alliances as well, which I, you didn't read, but I read. And I think it's kind of cool how they're weaving that in. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's confirmed. Like you, you look at the photo and it's like the same as the concept art and even the visualization of how that poster with Padme on Batu mm-hmm. was. It's like the same. So I think that that's canon. Huh. But it'll be interesting if like he's actually from Batu. Um, oh, yeah. If we, if we go there or something, who knows? For when we go to Batu, we can be like, Jaeger was here. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of fun that when we go to Batu or when we go to Disney World, we'll be like, oh, my God, Padme was here. So it was Anakin. So it was Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> yeah, now I'm for that. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Jaeger, Jaeger is really interesting. I'm excited to get to know more about him. I mean, this really was Kaz's episode, though. Yeah. Well, I think that – did you say in the beginning of the show that the show is kind of really focusing on Kaz and it, like, isn't really expanding into the other characters that much? Yeah. I think that, like, there's some merit to that because now at this point, like, I feel like I really understand Kaz and his kind of motivations and what he would do in a certain situation. Like, I kind of trust him. I think that he um, has a good instinct and, like, a, a full heart. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I think that was clear from, from like, the moment we met him. But yeah. at the same time – Yeah, but, like, you see it in action now and he's, like, he – now he's back with his group. Like, he realizes, like, that he needs to be loyal to, like, his mechanic friends who who are looking out for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope that, that we kind of stop this whole, like uh, – like, the past two episodes he's been like, but I'm not a mechanic. I'm a spy. But he hasn't really been spying or mechanicking. Um, you just kind of been like have like falling into these like little adventures. So I hope that in the next episode he like we maybe I don't know maybe like we see a little bit of time pass where he's like learned more about how to be a mechanic and he's like really kind of settled into that role and then like our spy mission can like really start to take off. Yeah, I wonder. I don't think we're gonna see time pass though, just because I know that we're so close to the Force Awakens right now. Six I don't need months. like I don't need like a lot of time. I just mean like a maybe week. like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like a little time for him to like, again, like get on YouTube, figure some stuff out, get a couple books here and there. Like just give me like a like a 20-second montage at the beginning where they're like, wow, Kaz, it hardly feels like any time has passed since you first got here, but look how much you've learned. Do we think that we're going to see um, this character of Rucklin again and like his crew? Um. I don't need to. I mean, I think it would be good for the show that it's not just like this one-off episode with them, um, especially with the hyperfuel. But I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see them again. Are we going to get a Ruckland redemption arc? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. Ruckland is like I, small potatoes. <laughs> I think that – I mean, I think that it's interesting that like Kaz was so eager to – um, kind of cozy up to this new crew and like some new friends. I think he really wanted that, and to see that kind of betrayal, basically at the end, he, they were, he was they were so annoying and mean. Yeah, the um, good thing is that Kaz wasn't like hurt. He was like, "What? I just saved your life!" <laughs> like, you know, exactly. I'm glad he wasn't like, "Oh man, like I thought we were friends, dude." <laughs> yeah, I think he recognized it. Like, oh man, that guy's a bad guy. Yeah, he's not does not have the best interests at heart. Yeah, exactly. But maybe we'll see them again in like a racing sphere. Yeah, yeah. I bet if we do, that'll be it. I liked the character designs and the voices of the other um, 
to the other friends. Yeah, I too. love the um, me num. What what's me too? Me too. I don't know the species name, but I did too. I like the voice and everything. Yeah, I thought like the way in, like him in particular. I noticed like the way he moved. Um, his, I don't know. His animation was really good. I just like I noticed it. It seemed like really fluid to me. It's crazy how well done the aliens are in the series. Mm-hmm. The style, it's just like everything is so fluid. I, I keep saying that every episode, but I really do feel like the moment I turn on the show, like it's really believable that the voices are coming from these characters that they show. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes I feel like that's hard. And like there's a lot of like I said this in the last episode, too, but there really are like a lot of points of articulation and just feels very lifelike while also feeling very kid friendly with like the bright colors and everything. And I I just think it's like masterfully done. I love the animation style. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's really great. I think it's funny because I can never not think of like Barbie when you talk about like points of articulation. I think it's It's funny that you think of Barbie and like the most people that are going to be listening to this episode are going to think about like Black Series action figures. (laughs) And you're like Barbie. I just feel like (laughs) – I mean after watching like Barbie Life in the Dream House, which like have we ever talked about Barbie Life in the Dream House on the show? No, I don't think so, but best show ever. Charlotte's like, please don't. (laughs) No, it really is the best show. It's It's so good. It's the best show. It's on Netflix. (laughs) Do yourself a favor. The first episode is literally like a crossover between Barbie, Indiana Jones, and A New Hope. Like, I kid you not. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. But anyway, in the show, they make a joke about like, um, I don't have that many points of articulation yet, which I think is just hilarious. And then also I've watched like a number of like documentaries on Barbie and they always talk about like the evolution from like her first iteration in like the 50s and 60s to like the 70s and 80s when like she got more points of articulation. It's always like a huge yeah. deal in the show. It's a it's a big deal in like the doll world. It is. But it is. It's, but I always associate I, it back with Barbie. Um, I feel like that's not the right terminology too that I'm using. <laughs> Like, I feel like that's very, like, toy-centric, but I I just feel like there's – it's very lifelike, and it's impressive. I feel like everything in the show is pretty expressive. Well, yeah, because wasn't it what you said that, like, sometimes Rebels could feel, like, a little, like, Gumby? Yeah, Gumby is, like, always what I thought about. And, like, 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 the characters almost, like, lumber around. Yeah. Um, And not bad because I think Rebels was doing a lot of other things with its animation, like the texturing – was, like, always mm-hmm. very important in Rebels and, like, so too, like, the landscaping and stuff like that. Like, it had a lot more, like, depth because it was well, It was 3D. inspired by Mark Mc- – uh, Mark, what the heck? Ralph McQuarrie. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know why I went there. I was going to say McQuarrie and then I went Mark. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, and I think that that's, like, the art style that it emulated and I don't think there's one necessarily that – this series is trying to go for except for like the anime style which i still really haven't fully seen not gonna lie because she won't watch voltron <laughs> no i mean like i think no, that you, i don't no, look true. at the series and i i yeah I, I don't look at the series and i'm like yes anime uh, yeah, i think okay, that yeah. like maybe in terms of like the 2d-esque feel like yeah but i don't necessarily think it's like anime manga inspired at all I mean, it's definitely inspired. I mean, it is. I, I it wouldn't is. say it's it like is. I just it's not. It's not the first thing that comes to my it's mind. It's not a one to one. Totally. Um, it definitely has that influence, and I think particularly with like the landscapes, we see that influence a lot more, um, and like the way that those things look. But yeah, the characters they just like they move differently. Um, and I think I think you're right. It's a little bit more fluid here in Resistance. I think Clone Wars eventually got to that fluidity at the end of its run. 
Um, but Clone Wars is also like pioneering a lot of new animation technology. So like it makes sense. Whereas Rebels was, I think, I think they've talked about this, how, how it was like lower budget. Um, mm-hmm. And so that money couldn't always be spent, I think, the way that they definitely could have um, if they had the bigger kind of budget. Whereas I think Resistance, you're not doing the 3D, so you have more money for like the like the actual character animation. Yeah. I also think Clone Wars is so hard to compare the, that style to Rebels just because there was just so much money involved in making Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Like they – I mean because George was like basically personally funding it that it was like, oh, let's just try this like totally new pioneering technology that like we'll never see again. On but like we'll just try it here. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And it's like it's hard to compare that because that it the project of Clone Wars was like such like a labor of love for George and like pushing animation forward mm-hmm. that it's not necessarily like we're going to see that kind of evolution and like pushing forward again. I don't think in Star Wars animation just because I just feel like that was like lightning in a bottle a little bit um just for that series. Yeah, I think you're right. I also think that, like, you and I like to think that sometimes we're animation experts and we're definitely not. Oh, we, we know nothing. We know nothing. <laughs> but, like, we'd like to talk about the budgeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for these three different shows. But it's – I mean, I think that that's stuff that you get from, like, articles and understanding, like, the tide and – Yeah, of, like the watching a lot of Dave Filoni. Exactly. And hearing about people talk about the show and it's like you, you learn about that yeah, kind of stuff. You, but yeah. It's like definitely it's not my industry at all. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Yeah. We're not experts, but let's let's break down the numbers. Let's weigh in. <laughs> Isn't that what a podcast is? It's like we literally don't really know anything, but let me give you our your unsolicited opinion. <laughs> oh, man. OK. You just exposed us. <laughs> The truth of Sky Talkers is out. It's just it's just an hour long bi weekly unsolicited opinion. <laughs> Basically. You make that like a bumper sticker podcast and unsolicited <laughs> opinion. Uh, is there anything more that you want to say about the characters in this episode? Um, no, I, I really liked Kaz. I um, am excited to see more of Bucket, actually. And uh, BB it's adorable. Still don't know how much he weighs. And uh, Jaeger, I'm ready for your tragic backstory, dude. Give it to me. Bring it. I'm ready. Bring it on. I think that um, I've seen on Twitter that it was like confirmed from some Lucasfilm people that Tam is going to get her own like fleshed out arc and story. Oh, good. And I, it will happen this season. So I'm like really eager for that. I, every time she's on screen, I just love her and her sassiness and everything. And I just like, she's great. I can just see her rolling her eyes like all the time. When, yes. When she's and like, Susan McGrath is so like adorable and kind mm-hmm. that I just, I, I think that she's really excited about the project and everything. And like, I know that Tam is going to get her moment. And I'm like, literally like tapping my watch, like so ready. Yeah. No, I'm ready for that too. It'll be, that's going to be a good one. So I think that's going to wrap up our show. It is. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, also, thanks everyone who enjoyed our spaghetti sequel trilogy metaphor because like I've been enjoying it so much on my own. Oh yes. For the past week. <laughs> Me too. I think I made pasta the other day and I was like <laughs> Yeah, every time I make pasta, I'm like, wow, boiling. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, listen to our last episode. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to this week's episode. We'll check back with episode four of our Resistance review, all about episode four of Resistance. 
Um, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or at our personal Twitters at Caitlin Plusher and at Curity. Also, go do yourself a favor and watch Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse, and then you can uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a review. <laughs> yes, please. And I just want to thank our awesome patrons. Amy, Joanna, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Rachel, Courtney, Brian, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, BJ, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Anthony, Danny, Lumpararoo, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stuart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Alaya, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Allie, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Matt, Jordan, Molly, Chell, Aaron, Rebecca, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Derek, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Thank you guys as always. And until next time, may the force be with you. Force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.